And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Big news, Casey Wilson. Dr. Henry said we can go back to restaurants, at least uh, six people. And uh, it was crazy from the start over here on the North Shore. How was yours? Oh, my goodness. At, at 1 o'clock, she made that announcement. I looked out the window at about one <laughs> thirty, and every table was taken at both restaurants, Social Corner and Homer Street Cafe. And I headed over there because they make the best margaritas. And give you a table because you're Casey Wilson. Well, I actually waited, Tony. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, it's going to be fun, and uh, we're, we can't wait for June 15th when we're back on the road. We're going to take off to uh, the Okanagan and Vancouver Island in the succeeding weeks to do a bunch of shows, uh, Grape Escapes. Finally, Tony. So Finally. looking forward to it. Can't wait. In the meantime, sustainability, it's something really big and front and center in the wine business, and we will discuss that today. It's not just local, though, but around the world, and we're going to refresh uh, our discussions we had last month with some impressive California winemakers. Napa Valley winemaker Allison Rodriguez tells us how fish-friendly farming has been core to the Hess collection since 1978. Then we head up to St. Helena to speak with the very impressive Spotswood president and CEO, Beth Novak Milligan about climate change and the art of farming grapes. We're going to jump over the Mayakamas, Mayakamas Mountains from Napa to Sonoma to celebrate 10 years of farming organically with Bettina Seashell. She's a partner at Laurel Glen Vineyards. And coming up next, Kathy Corison, winemaker and founding partner at Corison Wineries and a real superstar in Napa, kicks off the BC Food and Wine Radio Show. So grab a glass, sit back, and don't go away. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Savon Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Browse the entire collection now at SavonFoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. Overlooking a beautiful 12-acre vineyard in the heart of the Cowichan Valley, the Unsworth Restaurant welcomes you to get away from it all. Enjoy a delectable menu and award-winning wines in our dining room or outdoor patio. Unsworth Restaurant, vineyard dining where casual meets elegant. You can find Unsworth wines across BC. Look for us at your local liquor store. Visit unsworthvineyards.com. In days of yore, thirsty travelers carry their wine in traditional Spanish wineskins known as bodas. And from that ancient tradition comes a 21st century inspiration. Introducing Boda, highly approachable, fruit-forward wines in 100% recyclable containers. With Boda Box, there's no light, no air. Boda Box keeps the elements out and the wine fresh for up to 30 days after opening for convenience you can take anywhere, anytime, even at home. Boda Box, this is how we Boda. Find out more at bodabox.com. 
If you're a wine lover and you're ready for something new, try a little long-distance therapy. It's the wine club four out of four wine lovers would probably agree on. With 15% off therapy wine, discounted shipping, 20% off regular seasonal rates at the Inn at Therapy Vineyards, access to exclusive library wines, and more. Click therapyvineyards.com and choose your tier and frequency of delivery and sit back and wait as some of the Okanagan's finest is delivered direct to your door. Sign up today at therapyvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We kick off our California tour this morning with Kathy Corson. She's a winemaker and founding partner at Corson Winery in Napa, uh, a very special place in Napa, and we're happy to have her with us. Kathy, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. It's really fun to catch up with you. You're, you've are you become a legend in the California wine business. Uh, everybody knows you, uh, and you're not a typical Napa Valley winemaker. First of all, you're a woman, which I think was never easy from the start, uh, but you're making very interesting wine, different style of wine, too. So, uh, But before we get to that, why don't you tell our listeners exactly where Corison Winery is and, and give us a little quick background on the property. Well, we're right in the middle of the Napa Valley in St. Helena, which um, is right in the middle of the valley. But more mm. importantly, we're what is um, historically called the Rutherford Bench, and that is the gravelly alluvial soils that come out of the mountains to the west and the combination of those amazingly well-drained soils and the climate of Napa it's we can grow Cabernet as well or better than any place in the world so it's a very special little corner of the world. You've been and you've been uh, growing uh, farming organically for a long time now. I think for almost a quarter century. Has it always been something that you wanted to do from from uh, the start? Or well, I've always been involved in organic farming. I made the wine for Longmeadow Ranch uh, for ten years, and wow. they they were one of the very first organic farms and operations. And then fairly soon thereafter, we acquired Kronos Vineyard, and it was already a mature vineyard, but we started to farm it organically from the very first moment, and that was over 25 years ago. And mm. back in those days, it wasn't not a fashionable thing to do. In fact, it's something you might not mention because people would expect the wines to not be very polished, say. But yeah. fast forward to now when it's actually something we, we very much want to talk about. What sort of, I, I guess the, my question is, what would you tell young people or people who are getting into the business farming or whatever who say, gee, I don't know, should I be sustainable? Should I be organic? What what would you tell them today about your experience and what, why they might want to go in that direction? First of all, there is no reason in the world not to farm organically, especially in our very benign climate here. We have no rain all summer. There is really no excuse not to um, hmm farm organically it's just simple and it i don't believe it's more expensive you do need to pay more attention but that's good for the wine you need to be out in the vineyards and that translates right into wine quality as well our guest is kathy corson she's the winemaker and founding partner of corson winery in napa valley in saint helena i'm really interested kathy uh, about your bluebird boxes and barn owl boxes Uh and is it a kippeter purchase 
Yeah, sipiter. It's just that's just a term for all the hawks that uh, love to hunt rodents. So between the bluebird boxes and the barn owl boxes and the perches for the hawks, we take care of all of our insect and four-legged pests with with birds. So it's really very exciting. It's also fun to watch, and it's I can hear them singing right now. I'd love to see that. You mentioned Kronos Vineyards. Uh, it's turning, I think it's turning 50 this year in 2021. Uh, I, it wasn't all that long ago. Vineyards weren't lasting more than 30 or 35 years. Certainly in Bordeaux, they were being uh, torn out on sort of a 30 or 35-year program. You, you're expecting them to go another 50. What, what is it now that we know, or how, how are you growing so that these vines can uh, reach such an old age? Well, first of all, I, don't, I believe that vineyards are just getting to be truly mature at 20 to 30 years old. So it, to me, it would be tragic to pull a vineyard at that age. Uh-huh. Um, vineyards do tend to drop off their um, productivity a little bit, but then it plateaus. And I think the trade-off of the amazing wines made from from old vineyards is more than worth the lower yields. Um, and it's really a, it's a modern phenomenon that people are turning over vineyards that quickly. Historically, people would keep vineyards going for 50, 100 years. And what it is is just taking care. And we've been pruning for the last four years with um, – pruning consultants from Italy, Simonit, and they have been teaching us how to prune for longevity of the vines. And that has a lot to do with protecting the, the, the sap flow inside the vine and sort of the circulatory system and never yeah. making really big cuts, which promote disease and, and desiccation and, and, um, and death. Um, so anyway, I've, I've seen us actually rejuvenate our 50-year-old vines out in Kronos. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing that someone with your experience uh, can still be learning about uh, things in the vineyard at, at this time in your life. I think that's one of the great things about wine is that you're always learning. I learn something new every single day. And in fact, I've been on a really steep learning curve for the last maybe five years out in the vineyard. I've always been involved in the vineyards. I I took all the viticulture classes way back in the day in Dave, at Davis. But um, it's really only since I'm an empty nester that I've got a little more time, and I'm spending it out in the vineyard and mm. and learning so much. Could you explain a little bit? I, I know we don't have a ton of time, but, of course, I want to talk about the style of your wine. Uh, I, I, you know, I could simply say that it's more red-fruited than black-fruited, but what, what can you tell us about the ethos at, at Corison and the type of Cabernet Sauvignon that's coming out of Kronos? The goal is to make Cabernet Sauvignon that is powerful and elegant. I have been chasing that for my entire adult life. Cabernet is going to be powerful no matter what you do, how you grow it, how you pick it, how you make it. But it's way more interesting to me at the intersection of elegance. And that's all out in the vineyard. We spend a lot of time managing the canopy to to uh, develop all the ripe flavors where we need at lower sugars with good mm-hmm. snappy natural acidity. So we wind up with Cabernet that's got the whole spectrum of Cabernet flavors, all the way from red and blue, like you mentioned, to purple and black. They can all be in the same glass at the same time. And that's complexity, and that's the goal. And we want them to be built 
to grace the table, and we want them to be built to enjoy a long, interesting life. These mm-hmm. wines are very long-lived. And kind of nice that we have a young population now that's accepting that style. Uh, I like that. Uh, our guest is Kathy Corson. She's a winemaker and founding partner at Corson Winery in Napa Valley. Kathy, what country would you visit for its vineyards? Well, it's funny you should ask because I just, um, I'm just i just filling out the application to visit Piemonte in northern Italy. Oh, I, oh boy. I love, 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 love Barolo and Barbaresco. And um, it looks like that'll be the next stop. Yeah, now those are food wines. Very much so, and they're long-lived, but they're also so pretty. You know, I think I think age-worthy red wines can be big and powerful, but also be pretty. They, I love wines that have a life force and develop a floral perfume with time in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know that some of your wines are available in uh, in specialty stores in in British Columbia and around Canada. Uh, how much of your wine are you exporting out of uh, California? Well, it's not a lot of cases. We don't mm-hmm. make a lot of wine. We're tiny. But um, we're in 18 different countries right now. Oh, good for you. The goal being, the goal being to be on fine wine lists all over the place. Yeah, we spread it around fairly thinly. That's true here <laughs> in the U.S. as well, because we sell the majority of our wine direct to consumers, to our club, to visitors online. But then it's very important for us to be out in distribution, to be on fine wine lists everywhere. Mm-hmm. One last uh, question, Kathy. What has surprised you about being a winemaker? Oh, I don't. I've been doing it for so long. It's a surprise is hard. But what I love about it is that it's wine is the result of a whole series of living systems. I'm a biologist by training and proclivity, and um, it just plugs me into life. We are going to end on that. That is the <laughs> that's the best we've heard. In a while. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us today on uh, on the show. Uh, love to get down there as soon as this borders open and catch up with you and taste some of that uh, amazing Kronos Vineyard Cabernet Sauvignon. Love, thanks again. Love to have you. We're open again, finally. So it's oh, so good. nice to have visitors again. Yep. Well, we got to get that border open. A lot of Canadians want to get down there. We love Napa Valley, and uh, we're just waiting uh, to get the word to go. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kathy, and uh, we hope to see you soon. You're so welcome. Thank you. Kathy Corson, winemaker and founding partner at Corson Winery. They're in St. Helena in Napa Valley. Hey, our radio shout-out today goes to listeners on the all-new Bounce Radio, 91.5 FM, Salmon Arm. Thanks for listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio. Up next... Bettina Seashell, a partner at Laurel Glen Vineyards. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The Upper Bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality for wines that are elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven. Visit them by appointment or purchase their wines online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping offered to all BC and Alberta customers on orders of six bottles or more. Red Rooster Winery invites you on a sensory journey from grape to glass. Savor the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountain views from their estate on the Naramata Bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their award-winning and estate-grown Reserve Malbec. 
the perfect bold red to complement any occasion. Seated tastings are offered Thursday through Monday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. this spring. Come for the views, stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. Bold. Award-winning. Discover gold. Our tasting room at Gold Hill Winery is open and ready to welcome locals. We're supporting our BC wine drinkers as they support BC winemakers. Become a member of our wine club and we'll send the taste of Oliver Nasoyas right to your door with free shipping. Discover gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. It's a new normal. My husband and I want to get away. Need something to look forward to. So we decided to book a weekend away at a European wellness resort right here in BC. Plan an escape without leaving the province at Sparkling Hill Resort. Overlooking the beautiful Okanagan Valley. Relax and focus on your health and wellness at this luxury resort. Check out the immersive wellness packages available and learn more about this undiscovered gem today at sparklinghill.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We continue our tour of uh, California today, and we're catching up with Bettina Seashell from Laurel Glen Vineyards. Bettina purchased the winery in the State Vineyard about a decade ago, in fact, 10 years ago, from founder Patrick Campbell, a legendary Cabernet producer at Laurel Glen and founder, and she's become steward of what is a fantastic uh, site and vineyard, and we're so happy she could join us today. Bettina, how are you? I'm great, Tony. Wonderful to be here. And we last time yeah, we saw you, we, we had a great party down in California. Do you remember that, <laughs> Bettina? <laughs> of course, how could I forget? How could I forget? <laughs> Those were more lighthearted days. Yes, Those they were. Those were more lighthearted days. They were. They were. Yeah, so much going on in California. One of the reasons why we wanted to catch up with some people today to get a little bit of good news, why don't we start with the springtime at Laurel Glen Vineyards, uh, you Now, you've been farming that vineyard for a while now. It's a special place. What can you tell our listeners about it? If you took us up there for a quick tour, what would you tell us? Well, so we are on a plateau of Sonoma Mountain with an elevation of about 1,000 feet. So you have beautiful views. Uh, you can see uh, east to the Mayacamas Mountains, which separate the Sonoma Valley from the Napa Valley. And then sort of towering behind us is the peak of Sonoma Mountain. It's, it's very dramatic. And um, wow. when I took over from the founder, Patrick Campbell, we started farming organically. So right now um, we have sort of the last vestiges of our cover crop um, growing between the vine rows. And um, we are going to be disking them into the soil soon so that they continue to provide a green fertilization for the vines throughout the summer. Bettina, how long yeah. does it take you to do that, to go into a organic growing? Uh, the minimum is three years. So it's a very carefully controlled process by the state of California. So we are certified with CCOF, which is the California Organic Agency. Um, they, you know, very carefully monitor your progress. And they, you know, there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of site inspections. So the minimum is three years, and we were able to get our organic certification 
in three years because Patrick left us, you know, such a healthy vineyard. Yes. So it, when we look at it, or when we think about your wine, so you're growing organically, so no uh, no herbicides, no pesticides. But what what is a consumer might I notice in the wine? Uh, you know the difference. I mean, the old story was organic wines were maybe not as polished, not as interesting, and people shied away from them. I think that's all changed dramatically now. What what would you, how would you describe an organic wine, or what what it could be when it's done uh, to its uh, highest level? Well, Tony, I will probably generate some hate mail for all of you by saying this, but <laughs> I don't I don't know that you can actually taste um the organic grapes, you know, the the difference in the mm-hmm. wine. It really it's about the health of the vineyard. It's about creating it's about allowing the vineyard to be as healthy and, you know, disease resistant as possible, the soils as healthy as possible so that you have a vineyard that will continue to produce top quality fruit for a very, very long time. So you're not depleting the resources from, from the vineyard. Well, I, I'm, I'm sort of happy with that answer because my, my answer for that is often, well, why don't you just come for a walk in the vineyard? Because it will change your mind when you walk through an organic vineyard. Absolutely. I think it's there that you can you can feel the the vibration or the energy or however you want to put it. Well, so uh, much life, to, I would say. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's so much life. You know, we have bluebird boxes in the vineyard to attract bluebirds to eat some of the bugs. We have owl boxes. You know, there's almost always a jackrabbit that's sort of curiously, you know, following your progress to the vineyard to see what you're up to. Yeah, there's it's a it's a very um, you know, biodiverse place. You mentioned you're on Sonoma Mountain. Uh, I always love to ask this question, but I, I don't think I can. I, I ever get a great answer because there probably isn't one. But now that you've been there this long, uh, is there a way that you could describe Sonoma, Sonoma County Cabernet Sauvignon, say, versus Napa Valley, or should we even bother doing that anymore? <laughs> well, um, so, so for Sonoma Mountain. You know, we are about as far west as you can go and reliably ripen Cabernet Sauvignon. So the Sonoma Mountain on the west side is now called Petaluma Gap. So Sonoma Mountain, you know, basically is the first wind block against this extreme Pacific um, influx of wind and fog that you get, you know, in the Sonoma Coastal Plain, so due west of us. So if Sonoma Mountain wasn't there, we'd be growing you know, Pinot Noir probably. Um, So Mm -hmm. um, as a result, you know, this is a cooler site for Cabernet and you taste it in the wines. There's there's this really kind of fresh acidity, you know, natural grape acidity, which gives the wines sort of a a nice lift to them. So maybe that's the the big difference. You know, the the wines from Sonoma Valley are, I like to say a little bit lighter on their feet, you know, a little bit, um, you know, livelier perhaps Mm -hmm. than the Cabernets from Napa. Okay. Maybe a little bit more affordable, too. Good value. <laughs> more affordable. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that first? Yeah. <laughs> uh, our guest is uh, Bettina Seashell. She's a partner at Laurel Glen Vineyards in Sonoma County, uh, actually on Sonoma Mountain. Bettina, what wine do you wish you could taste? Right now with you, Casey? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, our uh, 2015 Laurel Glen Estate Cabernet is tasting really good right now. 
I just opened mm-hmm. a bottle with some visitors up there at the vineyard the other day, and it was just a lovely way to spend an hour surrounded by nature. A lot of talk about 15 and 16. Do you, do you, do you, have you tried them side by side? And I have, I have. Yeah, 15, to me, 15 is all about the tannins. It was a really small harvest. Uh, so we harvested these, you know, tiny, very intensely flavored grapes. Um, so, you know, really rich layered tannins. And the 16, is, you know, kind of is more fruit forward, has a little bit more, um, I don't know, it's, it's sort of a, a, a more sort of come play with me vintage, whereas the 15 is a little bit more dark and brooding. <laughs> yeah. The 15 is more come back in 10 years and play with me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm 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 game for that. Uh, I just want to get down there. It's at the moment, you know, we can't even cross the border, so it'd be nice to get down there and start oh, visiting again. It would be lovely to see you. Yes, please come visit. Yeah. Actually, to all your are listeners, you, are, please come visit. Are you open now for uh, some visits with uh, Californians, I guess, or Americans can travel there? Yes. Yeah, so as of two, three weeks ago, we were allowed to reopen at 25% uh, indoor capacity. So, yes, we are entertaining visitors again after a very long hiatus. But yeah, I, you know, very long. I like to take people to the vineyard as well, and there was never a, you know, prescription against that. Well, I just, uh, you have come from a, a, a long line of uh, wine people. Uh, <laughs> like a really long line of very wine people. Very famous. In fact, uh, and famous too for a label that you know probably changed wine in North America back in the day. How would you describe that uh, growing up uh, as as a kid uh, in the wine business? Yeah, yeah. No, my family had a winery in Germany for over a hundred years, um, and we were most famous for Blue Nun, uh, which was a, a big thing in Canada. It was the U.S. Oh yeah, was it ever? <laughs> yeah. So um, although I. Didn't, I grew up in New York City, and that's a long story, which we don't have to get into right now. I spent every summer mm. in the vineyards of Europe. Um, and, you know, I was the oldest of three girls. There were no boys. So it was kind of understood from an early age that I would follow in my father's footsteps in the family business. Um, so I did. And, you know, I, I spent my years after college working in distribution and in marketing and in sales and then my father sold the winery, and I was kind of at a crossroads. Did I want to stay in the wine business? Did I want to do something else? And I never really thought twice. I, the wine business, to me, I mean, it's such a wonderful group of people. No, it's not, it's not a way to get rich necessarily, but it's a way to have a great quality of life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you sure uh, have that at Laurel Glen Vineyard. It's a, such a sensational site and, and uh, making such wonderful wine there, too. Uh, we we couldn't be happier to catch up with you, Bettina. I wish we were across the table tasting wine, but uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that will happen at some point. Yes, when you come back and we get to party again, we will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun talking to you. And I know that your wines are available in uh, private wine shops in in uh, in British Columbia and across the West, and as well as in Ontario. So uh, people can look for Laurel Glen Vineyards and. Uh, I guess on your recommendation, uh, look for that 2015. It should be out soon in Canada. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, please. Bettina, thanks thanks so much for joining us on the BC Food and Wine Show. It's just been a real delight to speak to you again. Oh, Casey, you as well. Thank you both. It's been wonderful to hear your voices. 
Thanks so much. Okay, That's Patina Seashell. She's a partner at Laurel Glen Vineyards uh, on Sonoma Mountain. Uh, you get to the top of that mountain, Casey. I've been up there a few times, and you can see forever out to the coast. It's just fantastic. I know. It sounds beautiful. Uh, and you're in the sun. Yes. we got to take a quick break. Uh, there's more to come on the show. Beth Novak Milligan is up next. She's from the legendary Spotswood Winery in Napa Valley. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. In days of yore, thirsty travelers carried their wine in traditional Spanish wineskins known as bodas. And from that ancient tradition comes a 21st century inspiration. Introducing Boda, highly approachable, fruit-forward wines in 100% recyclable containers. With Boda Box, there's no light, no air. Boda Box keeps the elements out and the wine fresh for up to 30 days after opening for convenience you can take anywhere, anytime, even at home. Boda Box, this is how we Boda. Find out more at BodaBox.com. Experience award-winning wines on the covered patio at Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. The tasting room is open daily from 11 to 6. For exclusive VIP experiences, join the Crush Club and get three shipments a year to top up your cellar, 15% discounts, early access to new release wines, and admission to the Wine Club Lounge. Keep up to date with spring wine tastings and estate-only promotions on their Instagram feed. Plus, Miradoro Restaurant is now open daily for outdoor patio dining with a new spring menu. For details, visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest is the superstar Beth Novak Milligan, uh, President and CEO of Spotswood winery in St. Helena, California, in the Napa Valley. Spotswood now is uh, considered, uh, could be considered the premier producer of Cabernet Sauvignon in all of Napa, which is saying something. And uh, the person in charge is Beth Novak Milligan. Beth, great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for welcoming me to your show. Oh man, you're you're such a big star now in the wine business. Uh, we're, we're surprised we could get you on the air, but we're happy uh let's let's just uh, maybe I'm not, set I'm the not stage a big star but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> let's set the stage for our listeners maybe a quick uh, rendition about how you got to where you are and where you are in napa 
Sure. I we're right here um, If for any of you who have visited Napa Valley, and in particular the town of St. Helena. We are on the west side of the town of St. Helena, uh, right up against the Maya Camas Range on the west, and uh, we have uh, 45 acres here, right in the city limits, as a matter of fact, so we are surrounded by uh, residential neighbors, which is pretty fascinating. Um, we got here because we moved here in 19. 19- 72, my father was a doctor at age 39, decided that he wanted to raise his uh, family of five children uh, in a more rural environment from the part of northern San Diego County where we came from. And so uh, he had his own medical practice, and uh, and all of a sudden myself and uh, our, my four siblings and my mom were up and moving to uh, this old property called Spotswood uh, here in St. Helena because Although my parents knew absolutely zero about grape growing and winemaking, they did know that they needed a house large enough for five children. And my mother was an avid gardener, and my dad wanted to drive a tractor in a vineyard. So Spotswood <laughs> offered all of those things. And uh, at a time when Napa Valley was undiscovered and a family like ours could consider a move to Napa Valley, which is now very well known and prices reflect that at the time, uh, we were very fortunate to move here when we did. And how old yeah. were you, Beth? I was 11 when we moved here. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, unfortunately, your father passed away uh, not that long after, and and your mother was left uh, with the business along with the kids. Uh, uh, She did an amazing job as well. Yeah, she she did. My my mother, and of course you know her, you knew her, uh, Tony. But she was yeah. a remarkable woman, my north star always and still. Um, and yeah, she my my father five years after being here, and we had replanted the vineyard, and he had actually had to go back to practice medicine a bit because he was. Um, spending a great deal of money and earning nothing, and that did not work. So he was an emergency room doctor for a few years uh, at the St. Lena Hospital, and then very unexpectedly he died of a heart attack uh, at the age of 44 in 1977, leaving my mom a widow uh, with all of us. And she was, uh, you know, she had already in a just five-year period had really fallen in love with Napa Valley, and, of course, we were all here. She loved Spotswood, and, and before my dad's death they had sold fruit to a handful of other people, among them, you know, Frog Sleep and and various people. And then Mm -hmm. ultimately after my dad's death, my mom uh, decided to keep selling grapes because they had started to do that, and she was uh, able to to do that. And when both the Duckhorn and the Schaefer families bought fruit from us, they had known my dad, and they had known that their shared dream had been to make wine. And so they were really encouraging to my mom, and so uh, that got her going in 1982, uh, she started the winery, and, and um, we made our first vintage of Cabernet, which was 10 years after we moved here and five years after wow. my dad's death. And I remember a story, Beth, about a real estate fellow coming to your farm or to the winery. Yes. And can you, can yeah, you tell us I was, that story? I was in high sc- yeah, that was, that was a pretty remarkable one. So I was 16 when my dad died. I was a junior in high school, so this must have been, and it was in the fall of that year. So I'm thinking in the spring of 1978 you know a real estate agent came right up on the front porch of the estate home which was which is what we had i mean we still have that and knocked on the door and i was there so it must have been after school or it must have been on a weekend i don't know but um anyway you know asked my mom uh, if this if the property was for sale and my mom i had never seen this in her uh, but boy she just got her her back stiffened and she just looked at this person and said you know if if it had been the other way around and I had died and my husband was still here, you would never come up here and ask him if this property was for sale. And she said, this property is not for sale, and, and I would like you to get off my front porch. I mean, she was – I had never seen – my mom was 
was tough, but never <laughs> direct that way. And at that point, at that moment, I think that's when she really decided that her roots were here and she wasn't going anywhere. And she was really uh, peeved that this person had made an assumption like that because she was a woman uh, left as a widow. Yes. Didn't affect you at all, though, did it, Beth? <laughs> Not at all, no. <laughs> Boy, I remember that really clearly. I mean, it really yeah. did impact me. It was, it's, yeah, and I feel like now yeah, I've, I've dug those same roots in the ground here, and I'm, I feel very much the same way and very lucky to be doing what I do. We've been talking to a lot of people about uh, it's the 10th anniversary of uh, of a sustainable uh, action across California vineyards. Uh, a lot of people getting Correct. certified now. You, I can't keep track of all the organizations and, and things that you're now connected to uh, from organic certification to Demeter biodynamic certification but the one that intrigues me is is uh, the international wineries for climate action as well so w- why are you in all these things and how is it helping you and what what what's your mission so for us i mean our our mission um literally or actually i should say our our core purpose which is really what drives um all of this is you know what we what we are is rooted in agriculture we believe affecting meaningful change in our land our community and our planet so we we took that which we created um in in 2019 and have really run with it you've noted that we've been doing things environmentally for years with our starting farming organically in 1985 thanks to tony soder and then Everything from uh, dr- driving a restoration of a creek, of, a, of an in-town creek that divides our vineyard or defines the southern boundary of our vineyard, uh, mm-hmm. to solar power, to being part of 1% for the planet since 2007, um, and onward. And, and, you know, what is driving us and uh, is it, and driving me, but driving us because everybody here at the winery really feels strongly about our core purpose and our and our vision is that... I'm now the second generation of what I hope will be a multi-generational family wine growing business. And while most people would think, well, the biggest challenge to that is just going to be family dynamics and and family, you know, all of that, right? Because we all know how difficult it is to continue family businesses in the best of times. I view my biggest threat to being able to do that as climate change because we are – I mean, we are all about the grapes we grow and the wines that we make are based upon farming. We are agriculturally based. And without a relatively stable climate, um, we cannot look forward comfortably to a future in in agriculture. It's, mm-hmm. it's very – it's remarkable the extremes that we have addressed and dealt with over the last, I mean, four years have obviously been significant with fires, high winds – uh, this year, we've had our lowest rain year ever. We've had just under 12 inches, and we're supposed to get 36 a year. I mean, that's quote our quote-unquote normal. You know, last year, we got 16 out of the last 10 years. Eight of them have been seriously very dry. Uh, and last year's fires, I mean, the fires in 17 were, were horrific, and uh, last year's 2020 fires eclipsed those. Uh, so it's remarkable where we are, and so our hope is to is to lead by example and also you know let our customers understand that their ability to continue to buy excellent wines is tied to all of us coming together to care about our natural environment and turning the tide on on climate change we have to start now and then uh, over time bring bring back it bring it all back because we are on the brink Hmm. 
Very well said. Uh, and, of course, many of these organizations, uh, I know the Jackson family and Taurus, people are have gone sort of global with that. You've uh, become a member in, in that group. So it's available yeah. to everybody. What would you say to Canadian wineries uh, that are looking at it or maybe tepid or I don't know? How, how do you get people to just jump in and get going? You know, I think I think it has to come from a core belief that 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 we that we all need to step up, and that the wine industry has a unique opportunity to communicate um, to to our audiences, who are generally you know people who are drinking wine or are at a generally at a demographic that can really sort of maybe move the needle a little bit. And so, to the extent that we can get people engaged and inspire them to to truly understand not only our the, the connection of a winery and a, and a vineyard to to the health of our planet and, and of our natural environment and uh, mother nature but get them to understand that we're all part of it you know and and we all need to i mean i think this time more than ever you know we've been through the pandemic and we're still not out of it but we've been through all these things and i think you know the cognizance is that we we need to have sort of uh, capitalism with a conscience and and we need to move forward in a manner that that indicates caring for our communities for our land for our environment for our planet it's it it business as usual simply doesn't work anymore so i would i would hope that uh, that canadian wineries i mean we would love to have uh, uh members from canada to iwca because i think international uh, wineries for climate action has the opportunity to really yeah. to move the needle it's, it's pretty exciting and it's all for the is- common good it's so exactly. important to get everybody on board, and even though we don't have the issues yet that you have, they're you know they're there for sure with climate change. That's correct. They're they're coming. I mean, you're further north than us, so so far maybe some of this warming and and the changes have have been welcome because because you're so much further north than we are. But it will it's coming home to roost for for everybody, and we we all need to we just all need to be a part of it. And and this this community, this wine community, is always been good at, at collaborating and, and working together, coming together for great causes, whether it's tastings that, you know, that, uh, that are used to raise funds for causes in all parts of the world or that sort of thing. And so I think that our, uh, this wine community is uniquely sort of positioned to, to make a splash. And of course we do have, while, while many of us are altruistic in our beliefs, because I am a very deep uh, environmentalist, um, it is also about self-preservation of our, of our, family-owned businesses. It's, this is really important. It sure is. Uh, our guest is Beth Novak-Milligan uh, from Spotswood. Casey, we got to wrap it up. You had a quick question. I, yes, I have a question for you. I don't want to let you go without asking you. If you were going to have a winemaker for dinner, who would that be? And I don't know if you're a cook or not, but what would you serve? Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know what I would I I would turn the tables on that. I would love to have dinner with both Angelo and Gaia Gaia, uh, and I would love to do that in the Piedmont because I I would first of all I want to have that truffle experience in in November, and secondly I just think the precision and the beauty of the wines that they make are just stunning. I mean we get to try them here, and I always just find myself sitting in front of these glasses of wine going these are just you know in the great wines i just love how they express where they're from and i love that precision and that trueness to to place and sight and so i would although i'd love to have them for dinner i would love to to dine <laughs> i would take them out but i would love to i would love to dine with yeah, the family we're with you there in the piedmont we'll meet uh, you there beth 
Yeah. Let's do yeah, it. Thanks. Let's plan on that. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. I'm just staring at a magnum of 2016 Spotswood. There's a few oh. bottles left in BC, hardly any. All your wine is mostly sold out the moment it gets here. But uh, 2016 magnum of Spotswood. Now, there is a bottle of wine you could keep for a while and have a lot of fun with. A- absolutely. That wine will hold for many, many years. Thanks, Beth. Uh, great to catch up with you. I wish we had more time. Uh, we can't wait to get down there and uh, see you the next time we're available. We can cross the border and get there. Uh, we, we will, I will hold you to that. Please, please come and visit us, and I, and I mean that very sincerely. Okay. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, take care. Beth Novak Milligan, she's the President and CEO of Spotswood. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show with one more stop in Napa Valley. We're heading for Hess Collection and winemaker Allison Rodriguez. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. In days of yore, thirsty travelers carried their wine in traditional Spanish wineskins known as bodas. And from that ancient tradition comes a 21st century inspiration. Introducing Boda, highly approachable, fruit-forward wines in 100% recyclable containers. With Boda Box, there's no light, no air. Boda Box keeps the elements out and the wine fresh for up to 30 days after opening for convenience you can take anywhere, anytime, even at home. Boda Box, this is how we Boda. Find out more at BodaBox.com. Come celebrate 10 seasons with the Wine Experience Centre team at Black Hills Estate Winery. Enjoy our new releases while basking on the sunny vineyard terrace or become a wine club member and enjoy a wine experience in one of our private cabanas while sampling our rare Carmenere. Can't make it out to the Okanagan this spring? You can also join us from the comfort of your own home with one of our virtual wine tasting sets. For more information, follow us on Instagram or to reserve a tasting experience, visit blackhillswinery.com. Casual Modern Dining, exceptional Okanagan flavor, introducing the most anticipated new eatery in the valley. 15 Park Bistro at Watermark Beach Resort in Isuyus. Chef Nick Atkins and his team are ready to create an unforgettable dining experience for you, utilizing fresh local ingredients. 15 Park Bistro's Lakeside Patio, with its unmatched views of Lake Isuyus, is now open with inside dining coming soon. For reservations and more, including full takeout menu options, visit 15parkbistro.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. The Modest Butcher Kitchen and Market at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery in West Kelowna is ready for spring dining. Now featuring extended hours from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week. Reservations are now being accepted. All COVID safety protocols are in place for your comfort and safety as well as that of their staff. For those who would like to enjoy the Modest Butcher in the comfort of your own home, Modest Joe's Takeout is also available. For further information, visit ModestButcher.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. 
Our guest is Allison Rodriguez. She's the winemaker at Hess Collection, very well-known winery in the heart of uh, uh, California in the Napa Valley. Allison, uh, great to catch up with you today. I do not believe that we have met before. I don't think so, but uh, I wanted to say hello. Hello to your listeners, and thanks for having me on. Uh, it's our pleasure to have you on. Uh, I know you, you have been working uh, in another life in Italy and in Germany, but uh, now in California, and actually you've moved around to some pretty cool places, Dry Creek Valley. Uh, I remember their first wines coming to BC maybe over 35 years ago. Uh, and now, uh, after a stop at Acacia, also a, a famous winery with wines being sold here for some time, you're the associate winemaker, or sorry, you're the winemaker at uh, Hess Collection. Where is Hess? Tell us about where you are in the valley. Sure. So Hess Collection sits right on Mount Veter, which is the first uh, mountain AVA that you encounter when you come uh, into the Napa Valley. It kind of sits right above the Carneros region. Um, And Carneros, you know, is basically uh, flanks the San Pablo Bay just north of San Francisco. So we're uh, higher in elevation. We still get lots of cool influence from the both the bay and the pacific ocean and uh, that gives us maybe a little bit of a longer growing season up on mount veter um we've been there since 1978 since donald hess our founder uh found these beautiful mountain vineyards and decided to uh put down roots so to speak Mm. Uh, you're growing mountain cabernet sauvignon how does that different say from the cabernet that would come off the valley floor Well, you know, you can think of, uh, if you've ever (laughs) taken a hike up any kind of hill or mountain, you'll know that as you're starting out at the bottom of a hill, you kind of have lush vegetation surrounding you. Uh, That's because, you know, gravity works and you have deeper soils down at the bottom of a hill. But as you work your way up the hill and up to the top of the mountain, the soils have started to wash down with, you know, many years of rainfall and wind uh, effects on the soil. And so as you get higher in elevation, the soils get thinner. Uh, The bedrock comes closer to the surface of the vineyards. And um, it's just a little bit uh, more challenging for our grapevines to find the nutrients and resources that they need. Of course, we we do help them along here in California. Mm -hmm. We do have uh, drip irrigation and such to, uh, to, to make sure that we're not stressing our vines too much. But basically, the mountains really allow us to naturally achieve a great uh, balance in terms of our berry size and and uh, and those uh, skin. What we like to call in winemaker speak a skin to pulp ratio, right? All the yeah. goodies that we want in our wine is sure. in the skin, really. Uh, and so we want our skins to be in a in a nice balance and a good ratio to the pulp, which is essentially the juice and the sugar that's that's inside the berry of the grape itself. And so mountain soils, mountain uh, uh, mountain climate, and uh, mountain uh, aspects and gr- growing terroir really help us achieve that through natural means. Mm. It's we good. have been talking to uh, many of your colleagues about uh, sustainability, and uh, California itself is celebrating over 10 years, but you have been, uh, since 2008, uh, you were one of the first 10 wineries to receive certification as Napa Green Winery. What does Napa Green Greenland mean? Sure. So we were not only one of the first 10 wineries to receive that certification, we were also uh, Donald Hess, our founder, was on the 
the board or the group, the committee that essentially put the idea of Napa green land into place. Uh, he really has always felt, I mean, at the core of his belief has always been that you nurture the land and you return what you take. And he really felt that Napa was the perfect place to work with his uh, colleagues in the area to come up with a system by which we could all move on that path forward to sustainability, to mm. preserving our land, and to ensuring a long-term future for uh, a beautiful growing region that we call home. Our guest is Allison Rodriguez. She's the winemaker at Hess Collection. You know, sometimes people think about sustainability as a marketing tool, but I know that, you know, it goes well beyond marketing. And we've been talking with several winemakers today and producers. And I'm curious about what does it mean to be fish-friendly? Fish-friendly was really at the core of the Napa Greenland movement, right? So the idea is that when you farm in a fish-friendly manner, what you're doing is you are taking care of your land in such a way that the fish in your natural riparian, that means you know your, your small streams and brooks, in those habitats can really thrive. It means that you're lessening runoff into those streams. It means you're lessening pesticide use. It means you're lessening uh, the turbidity or the, the runoff of your actual soil into those uh, areas that could uh, negatively impact fish and, and other animals that live in those areas. So the idea is uh, is really, I kind of alluded to it before when I talked about our mountain soils, fish-friendly farming is especially a way for us up in these higher elevations and steeper inclines to make sure that we preserve and support the environment around us, but mm -hmm. also uh, we're preserving our own soils. I mean, essentially, we're sustaining our own soils at the same time. We're working in compost to have better you know, water-holding capacity for our soils. We are uh, making sure that erosion in the wintertime, since our rains normally come mostly in the winter here in California, don't you know, take away our soil, which we obviously want to keep for our vineyards, but we also don't want that soil washing away and negatively impacting any of the uh, ecosystems around us. So that was first and foremost at the core of the Napa Greenland movement. And fish-friendly farming was a third-party uh, certifying authority that could come in and evaluate all of us and make sure that we were doing the right thing by our land. And so that was kind of like the seed that started the Napa Greenland movement. Yeah, Allison, uh, I'm so sorry. We're so, we're so short on time, but uh, just before you go, the Hess Select North Coast Cabernet Sauvignon is widely available in British Columbia, folks. You can pick that up in uh, your local BC liquor stores. What might they look for in that wine, Allison? Well, our Select is one of my favorites. Our Hess Select Cabernet Sauvignon has uh, incredible mocha, dark cherry, um, black plum characters. It's kind of enveloped in a rich, uh, toasty, and um, vanilla, uh, almost like a toffee character on the oak. Uh, very supple, very um, velvety on the palate, and uh, really has tremendous aromas just coming right out of the glass. Yeah, so I think, uh, I think it's a perfect wine to open uh, any day that you want to just elevate your wine drinking experience. Yeah.
That might be at the end of the show. <laughs> Listen, uh, thanks so much for for joining us, Allison. It was great to catch up with you and hear a little bit about Napa Green. We've had a fascinating show today, and you've been uh, a great contributor to it. Thanks for joining us on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Thanks for having me. That's it, uh, folks, for our show today. A special thanks to our technical producer, Anissa Hetherington, uh, for her work uh, behind the mic. She's the one who makes us sound so good. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And to all our listeners across the province, be safe and have a great weekend. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.